Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here at DHC. I am so super excited that you have chosen to join us here on week two of our five-week discussion, conversation, series, whatever you want to call it, called This is True, That is Real. See, one of the things that our staff did is we planned out our year in terms of message series is we kind of just sat down and we said, hey, there's so many new people around downtown Harbor Church who are coming to faith, maybe people who are re-engaging with the local church for the first time, and people have some questions, and their questions kind of go, hey, I understand that there are some things over here that are true that the scripture points to, and things that we should say yes to. Yes, I understand that those things are true. But also, how do those things kind of meet up against the realities of my life, the things I experience on a day-to-day kind of operational journey? What is the tension between those? You saw the word tension on the screen during our bumper video because let's be honest and let's be truthful. The things that I put here last week and the things that I'm going to put here again today, by the way, if you missed last week, you're going to want to catch up on our website, SoFlowChurch.com, because these messages kind of build on each other, right? But the things that I place on this table, there's tension between them. And what we do at Downtown Harbor Church is we don't run away from the tension. No offense, but like a lot of churches do. We run right right toward the tension. We ask the questions we need to ask, and we understand that it's our job together to kind of figure out these things and what they look like. So one of the things that we always say around here, you know this, right? If you've been around here for any length of time, you've seen this. If you haven't, you'll see it again, just so you know. The fact that 87% of people in South Florida do not engage with church. And so we started to ask ourselves the question, why is this? I mean, if, if, so many, if the message of Jesus is irresistible, then why do so many people specifically in South Florida not engage with the local church? What's wrong? And one of the things that we found is, is because a lot of local churches run from tension. They don't like to answer hard questions. They don't like to have conversations. They don't like to pick stuff apart over coffees and lunches and dinners. They just want to say, this is true. And even though, yes, that is real, we don't want anything to do with it because we understand this. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, there are some things that we know are true. There are some things that are just bluntly true. The scripture points to them and we understand and know that they're true. But there's also another side to that. There's also the other side to that. And the other side of that is this. There's also things that we know are real. And so what we want to do specifically here at DHC, is talk about the tension that exists. Think of a rubber band as it gets pulled. The tension that exists between these things. And last week I talked about this, something that I believe. I believe that you can know God. I believe that God created a very clear plan to get to know him, right? And that you can understand who Jesus is. And if you say yes to Jesus, you'll be made right with God the Father. And you can have a better comprehension and understanding and know who God actually is. But that's true. But what's real is this, is that the fact of the matter is the tension comes in when we understand that God is a mystery, So yes, we can know God, but here's the other tension. The tension is that God is a mystery. There are things about this massive creator of the universe that we don't know and will never know because we're not meant to comprehend all of those things as human beings. It's just true. There's tension here, right? Here's another tension that I believe is that yes, you can know God in a moment. And you can, let's take that a step further. You can become a Christian in a moment. You can actually have a moment in your your life where you pivot your life and say yes to Jesus. Maybe it's been in your life a come forward moment. Maybe it's been a prayer. Maybe it's just been a decision that you've made. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe you've never done that in your life. But here's what I believe. I believe you can know God in a moment. You can become a Christian in a moment. But the tension there is, that's what I also believe. I believe it will take you forever to figure out what that means. And I believe that you are on a journey just like we are to try to figure this out 
with each other going, okay, I, I, I get this, I know this is true, but I have realities in my life that I don't understand and might not line up. How do I get this? Is it really supposed to take me this long? Is it really a journey? And I believe that, yes, you can know God in a moment, and yes, it will take you forever to figure out what that means. And so today I'm going to put two more up here, and I just want to encourage you to buckle up because they're a little controversial today. They're a little bit more thought-provoking than some of the other ones that we might talk about. They're a little bit deeper, and we're just going to have a conversation about this. Here's another one of the things that I believe, and I believe this is so true. I believe the Bible is all true. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and we can even talk about what the word true means because that can be debated in terms of different theological perspectives, but I believe personally that the Bible is all true. I believe that the things in the Bible are real and alive and valid in each of our lives. In fact, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, if you have a scripture, you can open it. If not, as always, you can follow along on any mobile device or it will always be on our screens. It says this about the scripture. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for, don't miss this, every good work. Meaning, the stuff that's in here is true and it can be used for the glory of God. Every good work. Now, this is controversial, so don't tweet this, right? Especially with my name on it, right? Don't tweet what I'm about to put on the screen next, but here's what I want you to know. Some of the Bible is fiction, yet it's still true. Whoa, did he just say that? Okay, let me talk to you about what I mean when I say that, okay? Jesus himself, who we believe to be the Messiah of this broken world, who came to earth claiming to be God and then predicted his own death and resurrection, okay? The guy who we believe is the savior of humanity. Here's what I mean when I say that. Jesus taught in parables. He told stories that were not true. And sometimes as Christians, like we confuse that and we go, well, I think that's a real event that really happened. And Jesus is very clear. This is a fictional parable that I'm using to teach you a lesson. But I still believe that it's true, even though it didn't actually happen. That's what I believe about truth related to the Bible. So during this series, we have talked about, we are going to start saying yes, right? We're going to say yes to these things. That's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. So here's what I believe. Yes, the Bible is all true. Let me clarify something, though, real quick. I believe that a lot of people misunderstand what the Bible is. The Bible is the collection of scriptures that people put together on their journey to know God, and I believe they are inspired and true and real. But the Christian faith, a lot of people think, is based and was founded on the Bible. That is untrue. The Christian faith was founded on an event, and that event was the resurrection of Jesus. For hundreds of years, we did not have text. All we had was people with faith. So we have to be clear about that as we go and understand this journey. So I believe this. Yes, the Bible is all true. Don't tweet, don't tweet this one right? Because this one's going to be even uglier than the last one, okay? Don't, let me explain it for a second, because if you put this out there with my name attached to it, out of context, it might throw me out, and I don't need that. You know, I'd like to be employed in my life, right? Okay? So here's the thing. Yes, the Bible is all true. However, the Bible does not teach you everything you need to know about life. Let me explain, or we lose our marbles, okay? Let me understand this, okay? Let me give me an example, okay? 
this morning, I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into the events of Downtown Harbor Church, because a lot of you have been coming here, some of you for many, many months, some of you even over the course of years, and you don't necessarily understand how this operates. So sometimes I like to just give you perspective. So um, we have a trailer that pulls up around 6.30 in the morning with all of our gear in it, and we unload it as a staff team and volunteer team every week, okay? These equipment, these speakers, the TVs, these props, right? They're not the museums. We haul those in and out every single week. We're sweating out there. We're getting it done. Well, I don't know if you looked outside this morning when Hurricane Irma 2 hit, right? And there was more rain during this morning than there was during the entire hurricane, at least in my perspective. We pulled up to the loading dock, and the loading dock was absolutely flooded, about that much water in it. We could not get to the loading dock. So sure enough, what we did was we came up with an alternative plan. We kind of walked around the museum with umbrellas, figuring out what do we do, and our executive director, John, some of you may know John, you may not know John, but um, he's the guy, he's wearing a pink shirt downstairs, today he usually does the announcements, but was recently replaced in that role, okay? Um, he came up with a new, new plan. And so what we did was we pulled the trailer right in front of the museum. It was the only dry spot that we could find because we had gear we had to haul in, right? And lo and behold, almost miraculously, right as we opened the door for the trailer, there was a homeless gentleman who was right there outside the trailer. Now, we always say this at DHC. We know that our city has kind of a homeless epidemic, which means that we want to welcome the homeless and love them in any way that we can, right? But this man first kind of started talking to us, and we were kind of panicked at this point because we were you know, kind of getting, trying to get in the museum and dealing with a flood and a massive rainstorm, and this guy just wanted to have a conversation. He just wanted to jaw with us a little bit. You know the first thing he told me? He goes, I haven't been drinking. I said, okay, boss. <laughs> Got it. And so one of the things that he said, he goes, so he, but, and he's having the conversation with us, and he's, like, his positioning is almost like right in front of the trailer. We can't get our gear out. And so he's talking to us about, we don't even know what. And finally, after about six or seven minutes of this, we tried to be very accommodating. I said to him, I go, listen, man, hey, I know you're trying to stay dry, but we're trying to get in here and load in today. And so could you just kind of move away a little bit, just a few feet, just so we can get our gear out? And he goes, I'm staying right here. And if you want me to move, we're going to fight. <laughs> to which John said to him, he goes, boss, trust me, you do not want to do that. That's not going to end up the way that you want it to. So sure enough, Lo and behold, we go throughout our day, and we call security to help remove this man. Well, I get the security guard from the museum. They move the gentleman over about 15 or 20 feet away from um, us, and he's now kind of standing there still, to which the loudest lightning crack that I've ever heard in my life cracks probably about two miles from us, to which this gentleman makes his fingers like guns and goes, Then he realizes that his fingers are like guns and comes back to us and says, I'm going to kill you all right now if I could find a gun. I go, call, call the police. So two squad cars haul up and, and they, you know, they try to find this guy. He ran. We couldn't find him. But here's the deal. Here's what I said as I was sitting around there. I go, the Bible does not have an answer for that immediate situation. And I'm going, because that's real, that's real life. And I'm going, there are so many amazing spiritual things and probably you could implement love your neighbor as yourself in there and try to figure that out. But in this situation, there was no immediate answer for what we were dealing with. And I'm going, I'm going to tell that story with the, the message today because I think that just could really fit. And he goes, it's going to fit, that's true. <laughs> 
Welcome to DHC at 6.45 in the morning. Here's the deal. Some things, some of the things that help us in life are not in the Bible, and that's okay. A lot of times we just go here for every answer, and I'm not saying there's not a spiritual answer, but so often people have real practical issues, and we direct them to a spiritual response, and the spiritual response doesn't work, then what do we do, right? This is why God made doctors. This is what we believe God made doctors for, so they can help people. It's not necessarily in there, but it doesn't mean that they can help people through life. This is why God made scientists. I believe this is why God gifted these people with wisdom so that we could learn more about ourselves and, and the universe and just things that we can't even understand or describe. This is why God made Walt Disney. <laughs> so we could, you know, really engage with creativity and understanding of what that environment looks like. And it's, 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 it's a real deal. I was driving in this morning to DHC and sometimes on the message... Like before the Sunday, I, I always Uber here because we have one car, and my Uber driver will ask me, what's the message about today? And I told her it was, this is what it was about, and she goes, I think that's why God made Uber drivers too. Because I don't know if you ever had an Uber driver that's had a lot of answers, but I have, right? And here's the truth, right? There's just some things that we need to understand about life that could help us that aren't in here, and that's okay. That's where the tension comes in, right? This is the spiritual, and there's not, I'm not saying there's not practical in here, but this is practical where we need practical tips, and I believe God created these people, right, so we could learn from how he has equipped them. Let's give another sidebar. If you've ever, like, been in a car that you're driving and it breaks down, and let's say you're the driver, right, and let's say you're with your significant other, right, and you know in your mind you have no idea how to fix this right now, but you're going to puff your chest up and go, honey, pop the hood. And you're going to walk around there, and you're going to go, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no clue. I, I mean, I could be looking at a muffler or a carburetor. I don't know. And you come back and you go, well, I think it's the carburetor. You know, there's, that's not in here, right? They're just practical, real-life moments that we go, okay, this is okay to understand. It's okay to understand that God has created people and resources and other things that are not here that can help you in life, even though I believe this. I believe the Bible is all true. I believe the Bible is all true. But I also believe this. I also believe the Bible doesn't teach you everything you need to know about life. And as we help the next generation and each other grow up to understand this, we need to just understand that God is the creator of all, and there are other things that he used in other ways to help us understand living and being in this earth. And then you kind of look at this and you go, at least in my life, I've gone, I've gone to the scriptures. I've always started there. But for whatever reason, I'm dealing with something, and, and it's just not helping me today. It's not doing it. What do I do? That's when you have to understand that God's bigger and he's created people and things that can help us in other ways that we might not even be able to understand or imagine. Here's another thing that I believe. I believe that trust leads to stronger faith. I believe that when you understand, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in God, when you realize that he's got your back, when you realize that the more you lean on him, the more you trust in him, that your life will be different and better, that it will lead to stronger faith. Proverbs says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. So I got a quick story about this about me. Because some of you may know this and some of you may not. About nine years ago, Caitlin and I relocated to Fort Lauderdale to take a job at a local church to help them implement a next generation's kids ministry strategy. Right? It was supposed to be this awesome thing that we were about to do and it was really, really cool. 
And I have to be honest with you. During my almost entire tenure there, I just felt like a fish out of water. Didn't feel like I ever fit. Not that they're a bad church or a bad people. They're awesome. They're doing amazing things. But I always felt like I just didn't fit. And I remember saying to Caitlin, why would, especially if I'm leaning on and trusting on God, why would he lead me to a place where I was so not fitting? And why would I do that for so long? What, why am I continually trusting on him? Because I had many opportunities to leave. I had many opportunities to just go and bail. And I said to Caitlin, something is not right about this. I need to trust and I need to stay. And long story short, I realized eventually why that moment, those moments happened and why I leaned on him for so long. And that was because two years ago, we started Downtown Harbor Church. That was the exact reason that I was brought to Fort Lauderdale. I firmly, I firmly believe it. Because we have to trust. And sometimes trust takes a long time. Sometimes trust is not easy. It's difficult, right? But trust leads to stronger faith. See, when you learn to trust God, here's a couple of things that I believe. You will have less anxiety. I believe your anxiety will go down. And even though some of us deal with that, I truly believe that's true. You'll be braver than you ever were before. You're going to have courage to go out and do the impossible. He will bless you in ways that are unimaginable. In Psalm 25.1, it says this, because the scriptures talk about trust a lot. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Psalm 31.14 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. We're saying yes, because trust leads to stronger faith. Trust in God with your present, with your future. Understanding his plan for your life, trust leads to stronger faith. You want to know what else leads to stronger faith? Doubt. Doubt leads to stronger faith. And some of you might be going, huh? What do you talk? I mean, how does doubt lead to stronger faith? Well, here's the, here's the truth. When you deal with doubt, related to whatever issues you deal with, it's just this idea that you're wrestling spiritually and you're going, I don't necessarily get or understand all of this, but I'm trying to, and I'm trying to get closer to God, and I'm trying to figure this out. Doubt can lead to stronger faith. Because the truth is, the fact of the matter is, None of us get up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to doubt today. Today's my doubting day. Fridays are my doubting day. Can't wait for Friday. Meaning this, this is so true. You don't make a date with doubt. You don't make a date to get up and do this. There are just things as human beings and maybe your past or your present um, or the worries about your future have led you to a place where you're just like, I, I don't know and I'm doubting. I'm doubting that God exists. I'm doubting that Jesus is real. I'm doubting the scriptures. What do I do? And here is where the tension comes in. But you can rest at ease because at Downtown Harbor Church, we want you to know that we want you to bring your doubt. This is not a place where you'll be shunned because you doubt. This is a place where you'll be encouraged and, encouraged and accepted so that we can wrestle through these things together. And we don't take our example just from pulling it out of the sky. We take our example because one of Jesus' closest followers struggled with doubt. One of his disciples, one of his closest friends, Thomas. Thomas was someone who struggled with doubt See, after Jesus died and then rose again from the grave, he began appearing to his disciples, giving them instructions for the future. He began meeting with them, and they were seeing him. And it says this in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. There's going to be a lot of scripture on the screen in the next couple of slides, so you might want to follow along. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. But the other disciples had told him something. So the other disciples told him, hey, Thomas, 
We've seen the Lord. What he said happened. It's true. We've seen him. He's alive. He predicted his own death and resurrection, and he was right. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And pause. This is a guy who walked with him for a number of days, maybe even years, right? And saw miracles performed. He saw water turn to wine. He saw this guy feed 5,000 people. He saw miraculous things happen. And then he, in this moment where Jesus has appeared, he says, I don't believe you guys. In fact, until I see him and touch those wounds, I don't believe it. None of us in this room have walked beside Jesus physically. We've not seen those things happen. Thomas did. And a week later, right, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, with him, with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, love what he said, peace be with you. And then he went right over to Thomas. And he goes, he said to Thomas, we're kind of like Tom Hanks in a league of their own to that girl who couldn't hit the cutoff man, right? Okay, Thomas, he said, hey, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And in that moment, you want to know what Thomas said to him? Thomas said to him this, my Lord and my God. Renewed faith through doubt. But here's what I want you to know about your doubt, because this is so key. This is the tension. This is where it comes in. Jesus doesn't give up on you if you doubt. And you want to know what I've been told my entire life? I've been told my entire life by the local church, this can exist, and this is the only thing that needs to exist. And this is good. We're saying yes to this. We should trust God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength, put our full faith in him. But you know what? If this is true, that is real. And some of us have dealt with this before. And I've seen people shunned by the local church because of their doubt and said, don't bring it here. We only got room for this here. And if we were being honest with each other, if we were sitting across the table having a cup of coffee, every single person in this room, whether you are a teenager or senior adult, has struggled with doubt. It is a fact of life. I don't know how deep it is for you. I don't know how deep it goes for you. I don't know how deep it necessarily has ever gone for me. But here's what I know. I know it's real. It's true. So here's what I want you to know related to doubt. You're probably going to deal with it again at some point. Hopefully less and less as you trust more. But here's what you need to do just like Thomas did. Let, let doubt strengthen your faith, not destroy it. And a lot of that plays into what I talked about. Because people feel like, I can't engage with church if I have that. I can't talk to somebody about that. What if they knew that I felt that way? What if they knew I was struggling in that way? Not here. Bring it. We're all going to bring it together. That's why we did this. That's why we started this two years ago. It's our first Sunday of year three. We almost got assaulted by a homeless man, but other than that, things have gone pretty well. <laughs> this is what I want you to know. Trust leads to stronger faith. 
But I also want you to know this. Doubt leads to stronger faith. Tension. It's real. It's true. We want to run toward it and embrace it and deal with it together. Trust and doubt. The Bible and life. What's the practical? Every week I normally put it up on the screen, but I said this today. You know what? I just want to speak it from my heart. If you're dealing with this, go find somebody to talk to. Somebody safe. Somebody's not going to judge you. Somebody who you know. Have a conversation. Explore that together. If you're dealing with a life issue that if someone has told you can only be solved by reading the scripture and you're like, that's not working for me. I've tried to pray. I've tried to do this. I still deal with this. But I feel like the only place I can find my answer is here. Go get some help. Go find somebody who's an expert in whatever you're dealing with to help you deal with it. That is not anti-biblical. That is just you exercising your right to understand that you have a life that means something and is worth living. That's the tension. And for my time in the local church, I've only heard about these two. And you want to know what? They're true. I'm not saying they're not true. They're very true. These are real. These are what we have to address together. The reality of our day-to-day -day life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are and what you do. And God, I just pray that you would just bless us in this room today who are dealing with stuff. Life issues, doubt, and understanding that there's tension there. We want to run toward the tension, not away from it. God, would you surround the heart of anybody who's just dealing with this issue today? I know that you hear and answer prayers, God, and I pray that you would invade this space with your spirit so their heart would be changed and they would address whatever it is they have going on. And would we as the local church embrace that? Understanding that there is no such thing as perfection except you, Jesus, and you gave your life to prove that to us. So help us to wrestle with the things that are true and the things that we know are real as we are on this journey together in a very practical way. We pray it all today in Jesus' name.